Hello. Oh, hello there. Podcast. Today is Wednesday, September 23rd, 2020. This is another remote version, marooned, if you will, of the Media Pub Podcast, as it is September month six, month seven almost, of this wonderful quarantine that we are in in the year 2020. So thank you for joining us. If you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, well, I mean, this is the 246th episode. You should know by now. But if you don't, we are a podcast that brings you news and thoughts about the newest movies, television, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order. Notice that I'm trying to do this intro snappy so you can't interrupt it. (laughs) I've noticed. I'm trying to find an in, like double dutch, to jump in here, and you are just spinning away. You need to get it done. That's the whole thing about an intro. If you interrupt it, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, we can't even have a tangent then. But thank you for introducing me for a tangent. Oh, we'll get His name's Matt. We are Meebo Podcast. Tangents tangents are for later. We have plenty of those. Well, yeah, we're definitely going to have those as we have Emmy breakdown and awards to discuss. (laughs) Yes, it was quite a week this week. Uh, We have... Video game stuff to talk about. We have TV stuff to talk about, including the Emmys. Uh, not a whole lot of movie stuff, but hey, everything else, there's something interesting going on. So let's get right into it by starting with the least interesting subject, movies. Hey, let's just start this and get this out of the way, shall we? Let us. Let us. Why don't we? So we usually start with the, the box office. Here's kind of a box office for you. The numbers crept up just a tad bit enough for us, I guess, to talk about them because they're on a list this week. Unless this is from two weeks ago. No, this is this past weekend. Okay, just making sure. They're just that low. So yeah, Tenet is still your number one movie in the world, or no? Well, actually, maybe. In the U.S., probably the the world still. Our numbers, but maybe. Um, With $4.7 million, that's sitting at $36 million. Do you think... um, Let's. I want to put a huge pin on this because we're gonna come right back to it yeah. on tenant making thirty six million dollars in the U.S. But that thirty six million is split between the theaters and Warner Brothers. Right. That doesn't get all thirty six million. I want to keep that pin right there because we're gonna come right back to it in about two minutes here. Oh yeah, no. I mean, we've talked about it before on this podcast, right? If you don't make at least your budget, you're dead in the water. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't at least make twice your budget, you're still losing money on that movie. Right. That's not a profitable film. So no. So no matter what, this thing is not going to be profitable until they release it for home release. Just period. So, so that means that this film has been put out for Oscar nominations. Then. Correct. That has to be why they did it. Well, and to appease Christopher Nolan, who was being a brat about it. Right. That'd be the only other thing is that it's in his contract that says you must release it this calendar year yeah otherwise heavy financial fines most likely there's other movies on this list though uh number two new mutants 1.8 million dollars adding to its measly 17.7 million domestic the battle was going to make in total originally yeah (laughs) probably (laughs) no different uh number three infidel i don't know Uh, what that is it's a new release but it made top three $1.3 $1.3 million. Uh, number four, Unhinged, which is kind of like this podcast. $1.2 million for that. That's at $15.6 million. I guess that was a previous release. Yes. And lastly, number five, if it really even counts, 
the Broken Hearts Gallery with $800,000, not even cracking a million there. Two million domestic total for that thing. So Dark. got a little bump then somewhere. Dark times for yep. movie uh, theaters. But still no new movies will be coming out in a wide release, at least yeah. for maybe two weeks, possibly longer. Yeah, we might we might have a couple next week, but this week, nothing. No new releases. Which ties directly into our first story this week. So as I just mentioned two minutes ago, Tenet, box office, $36 million domestically. What it would have got up against, Mulan. Yeah, so speaking of movies that did not come out in theaters, Mulan, Disney's Mulan, of course, planned for theaters originally, moved to a premium Disney Plus model because Disney needed a way to recoup some of the costs. Mm -hmm. Well, was this a good idea? Some people want to know, inquiring minds, want to know, including the inquiring minds at the analytics research firm Seven Park Data. They found that more than 25% of U.S. households that subscribe to Disney Plus paid that $30 price tag to purchase Mulan during its first week. Currently, there are around 30 million U.S. Disney Plus subscribers. So if that reported 29% of users really did pay that money to watch Mulan, that translates to a $260 million or more million like opening frame, which is obviously $200 million more than Tenet could even dream of. Right. But heavy to note here that that $260 million is not split with movie theaters. That is money going directly right. to Disney. So yeah, um, Disney probably won't reveal official numbers. That's important to note here. They'll only do it during a stockholder meeting, but right. that probably won't be until end of the quarter. It'll be a while. Um, so yeah, so this is just the data that Seven Park Data has dug up for us. Uh, Disney doesn't have to share that revenue, as you mentioned, with theatrical exhibitors. So yeah, the gross revenue that they're taking in probably far exceeds, is probably better than a traditional theatrical release would have been for them. So? Mm, yes, but it's still not breaking even yet, at least according to that, because this is a 200, probably $250 million budgeted film. Yeah. And first weekend, they made 260 back. But you have to keep in mind that this is not done. This right. is going to continue. As long as this premium model is set up, there's going to be more and more homes that are purchasing it for $30. Correct. That's, this is not a, this is just first week initial right. purchases. So if you start with 260, you're only going to go up from there. So, right. so if you start with 260 on a movie that you probably spent 250 marketing, your first weekend broke even, let's just yeah. say. Yeah. So what the actual numbers you want to look at is second weekend, third weekend, fourth weekend, wherever we're at. So, yeah. So you want to see how many people either told other people to go buy it, how many other people increased from that 29% household. So we should mention in the story, you don't have it written down, but something that happened today, some late breaking news, was that Disney has made the official call to not release. Um, oh, I have all that under my Marvel breakdown as part of TV. Oh, it's in TV. Well, yeah, I put movie bits in TV. It segues Marvel. Yes, but it segues into here. We might as well yeah. mention at least that movie here. Yes. So Disney's next big tentpole was going to be Black Widow. 
um, rumors were kind of circulating about depending on how Mulan did, they were maybe considering doing the same kind of premium release for that movie. Does not look like the case anymore. Even though Mulan seems to be successful in this model, they've instead chose to completely delay Black Widow until a 2021 release. Now, I've seen different speculations on this as to, well, this shows that Mulan was a failure for premium on demand, right? That's why they're pushing Black Widow. These numbers don't scream failure to me, though. Yeah, they don't, one, they don't scream failure to me. Two, they're from a different studio, mind you. This is Disney proper putting out Mulan, not Marvel in conjunction through Disney. So yeah. I want to say this is Marvel pulling the strings on pushing it back in order yeah. to separate it as part of MCU and Disney plus MCU. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, if you're, if you're Kevin Feige and you want to promote the exclusive series, say, WandaVision, which just got its big trailer reveal. Which we'll get to. Which we'll get to. Uh, if you want to pr- well, promote that, you probably don't want then immediately after WandaVision premieres to also be like, oh, and also Black Widow is coming to the service, pay $30. No, because you're right. If you're Kevin Feige, you want to separate those worlds and be like, this is the home for our television content and where the movie come later. So it doesn't fit into your grand vision to do a premium Disney Plus release, even though Disney is probably looking at the Mulan money and probably being, man, I wish we could have convinced them because we'd have the money now. Oh, I'm sure Disney tried to convince Kevin Feige to say, hey, here, look at all this money we made from just Mulan. A film that was already in trouble. Right. And still made 261st weekend. And that's the key. What positive. This quarter, that's the key. Before March, you could have that money now. Mm -hmm. And they're just, nope. Yeah, but because Kevin Feige and let's say Master Plan. Yeah, whoever. All right, Master Plan here. Yes. In tinfoil hat, MCU here. Yes. The Master Plan is to keep Disney Plus series separate from Marvel movies proper so that way you have two different streams of revenue. You don't want to cross brand so quickly and quickly dilute said brand. So yeah, there's reasons. Uh, whatever the actual reason is, them's the facts. It looks like we oh, we'll get the reason in a book five years from now. Exactly. No, t- ten. Maybe. <laughs> um, How long does the NDA last? <laughs> yeah, who knows. Depends, right? Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting to see though, as we kind of go further into this quarantine, what models work, what models don't, and what kind of movies do not want to play by the rules of those models. So it's going to be a continued experiment. Those sexy, sexy models. Those sexy models. All right. Stupid, sexy models. Let's move on to something not so sexy, which is uh, continued monopolization of the media press. Yeah, so this was almost going to be swept under the rug here. <laughs> but I caught it and I saw it and I said, hey, this in a in any normal year, this <laughs> would consider to be a big news story. Yeah, uh, so I think I agree with you because this is kind of crazy. Pinsky Media. I don't know if you've heard of it. I certainly haven't necessarily heard of it directly. Uh, have you heard of Pinsky via the oil and the cars? This is unrelated, I'm guessing. No, same family. What? Yes. Oh, no. Well, that's disturbing. Anyway, 
Jay Penske, hence the name. Penske. He is the son of the um, automotive baron, yeah. tycoon, however you want to call him. Sure, let's say tycoon. That seems fitting. So in a family of tycoons, Jay Penske himself is now, could be easily viewed as a tag tycoon himself because he now oversees all three top Hollywood trades. So that's Variety, The Hollywood Reporter, and Deadline. Funny, that's where I get all my news from. You know, he also has the top music publications, Rolling Stone, Billboard, and Vibe. Huh, that's where we also get some music stories from. Yeah, weird, huh? Yeah. So Pinsky already owned both Variety and Deadline, and Rolling Stone and IndieWire, through his existing company, Pinsky Media Corporation. A joint venture, though, with MRC announced Wednesday, brings the Hollywood Reporter, Billboard, and Vibe into that company. So Umbrella. the new venture will be yeah. called PMRC. What do you know? <laughs> what a concept. It's like, let's just slap it together. Anyway, John. MRC's titles include uh, Ozark, the television show on Netflix, I guess. Yes, yes, this is their uh, media. Yeah. The Great, which I'm not sure where that airs. Uh, oh, that, that's Catherine the Great on Hulu. Okay, Hulu. The Outsider. On yeah. Stars. Stars, okay. The entity known as the Golden Globes. On <laughs> um, CBS? <laughs> The Billboard Music Awards, the American TV. Music Awards, On ABC. and films including Knives Out, Ted, and Baby Driver. I knew I had seen that MRC logo before. Yes, you've definitely seen it in front of some great hit films. So financial terms for this deal were not disclosed, but the company Shocker. said no leadership changes are planned and that both will continue to operate independently. They won't move in together like the odd couple. But the ventures, venture did raise immediate questions about journalistic independence, as you might imagine. The new venture means that Sharon Waxman's The Wrap is the last independent major Hollywood trail that's not, uh, sorry, trade, that's not controlled by Penske. She has publicly fought with Penske, in fact, in the past over Variety's hiring of The Wrap staffers and The Wrap's reporting on Variety. In June, she published an angry letter from him criticizing her reporting. So at least we know there's one last bastion of independent film journalism happening. But man, this sucks. Like, right. Now, this is, isn't to say that there are still independent blogs out there like Red Letter Media, Film School Rejects, um, Pop Gum, or Stereo Gum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they exist, but, but the scale is so different. Oh, no. Like, yes. What I want here's a little, little game you can try at home to see how different the scale is. If you go to an independent music site like Stereo Gum, although they didn't used to be independent, actually, MRC owned them too until fairly recently. They were under the Billboard umbrella until they spun off in January. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you compare a story on that site and look at the comment section there, and then go to yesterday's Rolling Stones 500 Greatest Albums of All Time update that they did, and look at those comments. Hundreds more names are on there, and they're saying some real gross stuff. So, yeah, it's a big difference in readership that you're going to get from these smaller film blogs and the big ones that are owned by the It's not just that. You're talking about exclusives Mm -hmm. being talked about, too. 
because you'll you'll see Hollywood like deadline breaking, variety breaking stories, yes. billboard breaking story. You'll see these breaking stories because they'll get the exclusive stories. Yes. Now, if that's all under one giant company umbrella, yeah, it's... that exclusive can be shared, basically dominating the Google yeah search engine. So I guess our message to our listener, and we really don't need to tell our listener this because they're probably already this person, but seek out independent voices. Seek out people that are like us, that deliver this news to you in a way that's not uh, handed to them with a bag full of money, presumably. Follow follow reporters directly on Twitter to get breaking news. But yeah, just beware of when when things are, are compacted like this under one roof too much because then you're going to get potential bias you're going to get or more so than you already get uh potential you know influence potential corruption etc well i'm more worried about like pr nightmares being swept under the rug stories being killed from this type of conglomerate it's what you don't hear it's just like jazz it's the stories that don't run (laughs) anyway Anything Anyways, else with film? Did you watch any movies this week? I did not watch any movies this week. But okay. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you will have a movie next week, so that's exciting. Yes. Uh, as I don't, No, that was pre-podcast. Um, as I was talking to you pre-podcast, like yes. right before I pressed record, I will be seeing Tenet this weekend. Right. Theater. I will not be going to an actual theater. Yes. So I will not have the IMAX experience that I so, so wanted. You'll be fine. But I'll still be fine. I will be safe inside a car, inside a drive through watching Tenet, and I'll have my thoughts on it next week. Yep, yep. Looking forward to hearing about that. For mm-hmm. now, let's roll right into television. Let's keep, keep this smooth show a-rolling. Yep. And we always start the television section with the sports corner. And some sports happened this week. There is, count it, one left, one week left. There's one of, left week. <laughs> re- one left week of regular season baseball. Uh, five games, roughly, depending on who your team is. Um, they are all scheduled to end next, next week, roughly. The 29th, I think, is supposed to be the last day. So, so yeah. yeah, by by the time we podcast next week, we will have definitively who's made the playoffs. Right. So we will know very, very soon. Um, needless to say, I won't be watching because my team's not doesn't have a chance in hell. You would think that, but <laughs> the Angels technically do have a chance in hell. What? Yes. By running the numbers, they just have to beat either. They play, play the Dodgers this weekend. Uh-huh. We've already clinched their playoff spot. Right. Which means they can rest their players. Now, they have to have a better record than the Houston Asterix or the Buffalo Blue Jays. Okay. Uh, currently, they have the same record. But if we get above <laughs> one of those teams, we will have uh, the last – is it one or both? It might be both of those teams. Um, but no, just one of those teams. We, well, if we get above Houston, we will for sure have a playoff spot. Wow. That's okay. Well, it'll that's be a sub 500 record, but 
it will still yeah. be a playoff spot, and they won today, so they did their job. That's they just have to win out. That's bananas. That's bananas. That's what that is. I guess we'll find out. Like I said, next week we will have a concrete picture. Like it's literally set in stone by this time next week. Good to know for MLB playoff postseason because it's October baseball. <laughs> it's already October. It's already happening. I'm sorry, I can't say that. Next week will already yes, be next October. Week it will be October. Yeah. Well, no, All next right. Thursday. But what uh, what October also um, what October also means, or at least the impending future of there being October, means that the end of hockey is coming up as well. The Stanley Cup Finals have been decided. The Stars and the Lightning are your two teams. Yep, Dallas Stars, which we had already reported on, yep. played the Tampa Bay Lightning, who Psh. won like two days later. Yeah, so like last Friday, so. Same so time. That's your uh, Stanley Cup. Go Lightning, I think. I think they have the hot hand right now. Ooh, Anything but the Stars. <laughs> Sorry, I had a hot hand. Yep. Um, yeah, so that's exciting for people who follow those teams. Get ready. It's going to be going to be some fun fun hockey. Next up. I'm not sure who you're referring to here, but someone with the last name Jordan. Yes, that Jordan. Like Michael Jordan? Yes, that Jordan. Okay. Not not Michael B Jordan. Michael A. Jordan. Michael A. Jordan. Michael Air Jordan. The last dancer himself. Yes. Um, the final dancer. Uh, he is partnering with Denny Hamlin to join NASCAR next year with Bubba Wallace as their driver. So he will not be driving a car. I want to make that clear. Um, but he won't join the team, I guess, is what you're saying. Um, yes. For Bubba Wallace's car. Yes. Um uh, assumed he'll be driving the number 23 car. Yeah. I mean, that would make sense. Yes. Uh, they have named Bubba Wallace as their driver already. Um, he brings with him a ton of sponsorship. And I think they're under the Penske umbrella. Is that right? Oh, no. I, I should ask Ty about that. <laughs> Who can but, say? But speaking of Penske. <laughs> yes, yeah, speaking of Penske. Penske is all over this podcast. Mm-hmm. I might as for I already know the image now on the website. I'm just going to put the Penske logo. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, that's exciting um, for for NASCAR fans. So yep. uh, Michael Jordan made hype, it personal. Hype in there, yeah, and then it, then it made it personal exactly. Yep. All right, so the NFL. Meanwhile, football remains happening. Oh, does it? We have a lot to talk about football here. And they've already gotten to fining people for not wearing masks. We knew this was going to happen, but it's already happened. Three head coaches have been fined $100,000 each for not wearing masks on Sunday, and each of their teams under their $250,000. So that's $1.05 million in fines for not wearing masks. Yeah, that's just for one week. Um, This past Monday... They decided to find those two coaches as well as neither head coach were wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just wear your masks, people. Just say it. I was trying to set a positive image and by telling their head coaches to wear masks and basically trying to force them, this is how they're going to, you know, mandate it. Yeah. No, that's smart. Smart. Wear it all during hard knocks. I can't 
Oh, he, he was up and down, up and down. Yeah, he doesn't judge. Hard dogs, they went up and down constantly. So annoying. Whatever. Some people just, they refuse. They refuse to do so. <laughs> 2-0, baby! Rams are 2-0. One of the rare five teams, I think, they're still undefeated. Okay, all right. That's, that's not bad. It's not bad at all. Yep. Elsewhere in football news, still no positive COVID tests in week uh, two. So they're still running that machine clean. Which yes. Is good. No. However, Tyrod Taylor, had uh, quarterback for the Chargers, had to be rushed to the hospital pregame because of chest pains. Ooh, so maybe next week? No, because a doctor punctured his lung. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, accidentally? Um, assumed accidentally. He was <laughs> yeah, giving really an injection sick, right? prior to the start of the game to ease some pain and punctured his lung, so he had to be rushed to the hospital. Thanks. Thus, literally minutes before the game, Justin Herbert, the rookie, was announced as the starter. Whew. Hate to see that. Well, yeah, especially if you're playing fantasy. Also, if you were starting Tyrod Taylor, you just suck at fantasy football because there's plenty <laughs> of other quarterbacks out there to choose from. Yeah. You might but get anyway, you might have last pick. He, Tyrod Taylor is in the hospital currently with the punctured lung, unsure mm-hmm. when or if he is able to play again. I guess we'll find out. He is currently and... out indefinitely. Okay. So. But on the flip side of there being no COVID tests, uh, co- no co- positive COVID tests, we also have um, ACL tears up the wazoo. Seven different players have teared their ACL. Tore? Tore. Tore their ACL. The most in one single weekend of football. Yeah, this was the weekend of injuries. Um, I think on specifically the 49ers, the San Francisco 49ers, they had seven injuries in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like 10 in total throughout the game. But yeah, it was the week of ACL tears, yeah. uh, including number one fantasy pick Christian McCaffrey towards ACL, and then no. six, yes, he injured it. Christian McCaffrey has a high ankle sprain. He is I out for four know. weeks. With a high ankle sprain. Would you like a doctor report? <laughs> okay, let's give the real reports. Or medical report. And Sutton, Cortland Sutton. Both tore their ACLs. Yes, poor say quads. So they're out for the season, as well as Nick Bosa, who's a stud on the um, on the Niners defense. On the Niners defense, um, high ankle sprains. Christian McCaffrey and Jimmy, Jimmy G both yes. are out probably four to six weeks, unless they have some super healing powers. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Jesus. The Niners gave up everything to beat the Jets, <laughs> like Thanos. <laughs> my favorite meme of the season so far. <laughs> so real. Yes, my, my uh, star running back on there, Mostert, also got a high ankle sprain. No, he has an MCL sprain. He's Clearly. probably going to miss it. <laughs> yes, they're just all injured. See, this he detail... He sacrificed movie. a lot of knees and ankles to the fantasy gods this weekend. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully this is kind of the warm-up they needed to have it not be a bloodbath because this <laughs> is what happens, I think, when you don't have a preseason. But, obviously... 2020 it is what it is but yes i think that's kind of what we're seeing like the benefits of actually having them have full speed reps before 
Yeah, and being running giant men into each other. Uh, <laughs> just stretching properly, being hydrated. It is this detailed reporting that, that you won't get from the big names, like yep. those big conglomerates. They they're just gonna say, "Oh, football happened. We're gonna give you medical reporting." We have doctors <laughs> on site yeah, to tell about medical site. reporting. <laughs> anyway, all right. Let's. Anyways, move on. oh, lastly. Yes. Lastly, in NFL news, you will be excited to know that media vote favorite Blake Bortles has been resurrected from the dead. <gasps> wow. He is Blake gone Bortles. from the Jaguars to back up to the Rams to almost maybe starter for the Broncos as they have called him up. Wow. They have signed him to a two-year deal. Wow. One, no, yeah, two-year deal right now. That's incredible. Yeah, because Broncos quarterback Drew Locke also got injured. <laughs> <laughs> what luck? Well, no, no, luck retired <laughs> last year. <laughs> oh, oh, so he could also be called up. <laughs> yeah, who knows, right? <laughs> Running out of players. Uh, yeah, well, Godspeed, Blake Bortles. I hope you make it again. <laughs> All right, let's stop talking about sports. We've done enough. All okay. right. Let's start talking about television news because there's a lot this week because the Emmys happened. All right. Who got awards? Well, first of all, before we go rattle down the awards, did you watch? I know you watched these things later. You did not watch this live. No, I did not watch them live. I watched watched, the creative arts live. Well, I watched these live and, oh boy, it was a weird year. As you can imagine, they had to do everything remote. Well, Mm -hmm. everything remote. There was a handful of celebrities who were on site to do presentations to, uh, but no accepting. Accepting was all done remotely. They literally put interns in hazmat suits and sent them to people's houses, which I thought was a bit for the show. Turns out it was not a bit. I found out later in an article that somebody had posted that lived it, that was like, yeah, no, they put us in these suits and we had to go find these houses. We weren't even told if we had the winning Emmy. We were told oh. to basically wait in front of the house until we watched the live presentation and saw the winner and then run, then bolt it to where the celebrity was to hand it off. So they would sit in front of the houses of whoever was next with yes. Emmy in tote. Yes. Not sure if they would have to they run would, out and give to said Emmy. It's bananas. <laughs> At least they lived locally. <laughs> so that's the thing is no, because some of them had to go to like you know, somebody's house in London, for example. Like, they had to sometimes fly these people out. It's wild. It's wild. This whole thing was wild. Anyways, so the telecast was, it had moments of entertainment, and, like, Jimmy Kimmel was fine, but he was Jimmy Kimmel. You get Jimmy Kimmel for a specific vibe, and he delivered on that, whether you like it or not. Um, Right, he is the LCD. So, no, he's not the Fallon. That's Fallon. Yeah, that's Fallon. No, Kimmel, Kimmel operates on like a higher level, but... Yeah, but he still gives off the family vibe. Yeah, but he's safe. He's yeah. not a Ricky Gervais, you know? And so, yeah, sometimes he was able to like, you know, get a couple barbs in, but generally he was pretty safe. Um, but yeah, the, the winner, as for the winners though, pretty predictable show this year, at least predictable if you're us. Because I could have told you that it was going to be Schitt's Creek, Watchmen, and Succession six months ago, and sure enough, that's true. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, Succession was your big winner for drama series, drama actor, and guest actress, drama directing, drama writing, and casting. 
not quite a complete sweep, but goddamn close, but was a complete sweep, was in comedy. Schitt's Creek took everything. With its Seriously. final season, with its final yeah. attempt. Yes. Comedy is supporting actor, uh, supporting actress, comedy writing, casting. Um, you name it, they got it. It swept the acting for both main and supporting. And then yeah. writing and directing. So, fun fact, Dan Levy winning both, or all three of directing, writing, and acting for a single show. Mm-hmm. That's only been done once before. Can you guess who in Emmy history has won for acting, directing, and stock, or acting, directing, and um, writing for a single show? Comedy? Uh, I'm going to go with some heavy hitter legend. Lucille Oval. No, after that. Oh, after that. Uh, Dick Van Dyke. After that. After that? Oof. Uh, give it to me. Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> no. Uh, before that, uh, I'll thread the needle for you. Alan Alda in MASH. Oh. But that's still a different record because that was over several years. This happened in one, one night. night. So yes, yeah, so I was trying to go with one night, not over several years. It wasn't in one years. night. Notice I did not say in one night. Yeah. You said in general. Uh, so yeah, uh, he joined, Dan Levy now joins Alan Alda as the only two people have done, who have done that, but Dan Levy did it in one night, which is incredible. So yeah, congratulations to the whole Schitt's Creek party. Uh, and they well, were partying. Another series like that again. Yeah, we've, who knows? Maybe. No, uh, I mean like they're done. They're not making any more. They won't like win. <laughs> um, then of course, in limited series, that's where HBO's Watchmen took the lead. Limited series, drama supporting actor, drama actress, writing, cinematography, costumes, editing, sound mixing, and casting. Um, and yeah, case- that was a full sweep on the back end during the creative yes. arts. And then it got its uh, top series with limited as well. Yes. So those are your three biggins. Um, a smattering of other people did actually win. Um, you note here that it wasn't televised, but The Last Dance won Best Documentary, as it yep. should. And then what, what, one thing that was televised that is also a record that was set this year, the youngest ever actress to win lead actress in a drama, Zendaya for Euphoria. Oh. Not Tatum O'Neill? No. That, that was the Oscars. You're thinking of the Oscars. No, the Emmy. Uh, that, that is a new record. Zendaya, who is 24, uh, she's the youngest to win in that category. So congratulations. Well, what have I been doing with my life? Congratulations to Zendaya. She remains Michi, in case you're wondering. Yes, Zendaya is Michi Emmy. Yeah, she is Michi. All right, let's move on. Anything else you want to say about the the Emmys before we move? Mm, No, they happened. Um, Congratulations to TV that was. It'll be interesting to see TV that will be next year. We will return to the Emmys in music, but... You'll see why. For a specific reason. For very specific reasons. All right. Next up in television, let's talk about what you hinted at at the top of the show, which is Marvel news. Yeah. So some of this spilled over from last week and the previous week, but because they all just kind of like accumulated into what was this upcoming this past weekend, we're just going to put it all together in case yes. we missed it. So if you're wondering what's happening with Marvel as they move closer and closer to debuting Disney Plus shows and other things in their universe, well, here's a little bit of an update for you. So after tapping Cat Coiro 
from the Mick and single parents of the director, Marvel Studios now has chosen their star for She-Hulk on Disney+, Plus, which is their new series. They've now chosen Tatiana Maslany from Orphan Black and Perry Mason to play the title character. So we have a She-Hulk, everybody. They also yes, announced- and Mark Ruffalo, current Hulk, gave the stamp of approval uh, via Twitter. Well, there you go. Then they also um, announced a Ms. Marvel series that will be on Disney Plus centered around Kamala Khan and directed by Adil El Arbi and Dalal Fala, who uh, worked on Bad Boys for Life. They both directed Bad Boys for Life. There you go. And written by Bisha K. Ali, who I guess wrote Four Weddings and a Funeral, the more recent one. The one that was on Hulu, yes. Hulu one. Finally, the last trailer, the first trailer, I should say, for WandaVision, the upcoming Disney Plus show, debuted during the Emmys with a release date of December. Not a specific day yet, but December. That looks neat. Mm-hmm. It'll it be looks- interesting that this was supposed to come after um, Black Widow, but now it'll be reversed. Hmm. Actually, I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier was supposed to premiere, is still set to premiere awesome. next month, I think. But it will not. That's still in production. Correct. Then some bits for you to round up the the news here. Yeah, MCU bits. MCU bits. Jonathan Majors from Lovecraft Country will play King the Conqueror in the next Ant-Man movie. As we mentioned in movies, Black Widow has officially been pushed back to 2021, along with Shang-Chi and the Eternals, both other MCU movies that were planned for sooner than later. Yep, and then all of those productions basically got pushed back as well from it. And the news that made a lot of people who followed the uh, the Black Panther franchise very happy, Leticia Wright will set up is set up to take the Black Panther mantle and will follow the comic book story arc as it happened in the books. So fans got what they had been clamoring for. Which was going to be a no-brainer and also part of why they Chadwick Boseman um, three-picture deal that he was working with um, with the MCU before the, uh, the, his sudden passing. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a very prominent um, storybook arc with Letitia Wright's Shuri yeah. who goes on a spirit adventure into the afterlife to in sense, bring back Chadwick Boseman or bring back uh, T'Challa and then only to accept his death and then confront the Avengers to basically say that he is dead, I am the new Black Panther. Yeah, so... It'd be interesting to have her as an Avengers Black Panther. I think so. I think this is a good call. It's a good ground... It's a good groundwork to lay to set up the rest of this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that it's pretty cool. Also look, I mean, it might not be that obvious, but it certainly is obvious. Look for the tribute to uh, Chadwick Boseman in the Black Panther 2 film. Oh, they'll have to. Yeah, yep. there'll have to be something there. All right. That does it for that story about Marvel news, but we're not done with television yet because we watched some television. Oh, oh we watched new TV. We watch brand new Spankin' 2020 television. Uh, you want to go first? I'll go first because mine seems like it happened so long ago because it was. Yeah. It premiered last Wednesday and I've had to wait a week to talk about it. 
So this is a show that's been around for a while, but this is the newest season. Tell me about New Archer. New Archer Sterling now on FX and next day on Hulu. <laughs> yes. That has been drilled into me. FX on Hulu. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, Archer is back. And unlike the previous three seasons where they've been do- doing different coma-like dream states where right. they do different genres, he's out of the coma. They're back to doing actual spy work. Um, okay. And it's been three years since he went to said coma and they acknowledge that it's been three years. And as such, the spy agency has been upgraded uh, to include new tech and a new point man in former accountant uh, Cyril, who now takes lead and thus forcing Archer, former point man and constant drunk, to take a back seat and learn to be a supporting member. And that's kind of what this season is. is We're in a new world and have to play by new 2020 rules where a lot of like the previous jokes that you could make in office workplace that no longer acceptable from me too and just overall debauchery that can no longer be made and should never have been made in the first place but different times we're living in so you have to learn to so as the main character archer you have to learn to move forward and accept your new role and still remain comedy relevant by saying oh we don't do this anymore what's wrong with this and kind of poking fun at the character rather than what was been happening was the character poking fun at everything around him. Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting approach because what you will have with these long running shows is yeah, there's a little bit of that, okay, the thing we used to do, their joke, the recurring joke in season two, we just can't do anymore. Right. And so this is a good in canon, in universe excuse for them to be like, oh, we're better than that now. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. the time jump is both real and also real in the show, which is cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's still funny. And I'm looking forward to the episodes now more so than I was when yeah. they were doing the specials. Style parodies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's interesting, that's, it's going to be an interesting show, I think, to look back on because of how many different things they've tried and the different- Well, it's definitely interesting to look back on from their name point, which was ISIS and how that had to be quickly rewritten out of the show. (laughs) Right. It's, that goes to show you how old that show is. Yes. Um, So yeah, like it's, it's definitely an interesting piece of history and like it's just shows the the, the the flexibility of animation that you can mm-hmm. kind of make these decisions on the fly, especially with something that has a, probably a shorter pipeline than a lot of other animated shows due to its pretty much existence in Flash. Yeah, also its existence in Georgia. It yeah. lives in Georgia. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mystery man. Yes. Visitor. Um, but yeah, no, that sounds good. Uh, yeah, wait, a- real quickly, would you like to say anything about Archer? Archer? The first episode was hilarious. I don't know if there's been a new one since then. Oh, it's on Wednesdays, so we'll watch it tonight. Beautiful. Yeah. Very excited about the new season. All right. All right. Right here first, folks. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I'm, glad that it's, I'm glad that it's still good. I'm glad that they're keeping it fresh in different ways. Yeah, and because it's animation, the characters don't have to age that much, unlike the actual actors. Also good. (laughs) All right, did you watch anything else? Uh, Nope, nothing new. Oh, but uh, the Amy Schumer show, um, Amy Schumer Learns to Cook, had its 
season finale. So that happened. That is no longer as done for now until next season. Yes. Whenever that may be. All wrapped up for now. Um, I'm sorry. That is Emmy nominated. Amy Schumer learns to cook. True. Um, a show that you might be seeing in any uh, consideration next year, though, is a show I've been uh, watching. It's brand new on Apple TV+. Plus. Yes, no, mark this down. This is the first time on this uh, Media Vote podcast we've actually watched something on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, I think, right? Uh, yeah, we didn't talk about C when it came out, and we haven't talked about Morning Show. C... I just think it's so funny that they named it. We've also, we've also not talked about For All Mankind. Well, the thing is, is that all those shows suck, and they finally put out a good one. All right, so I'm getting out of myself, but I've been watching the Jason Sudeikis vehicle, Ted Lasso. So have you heard of this thing? Do you know what this is? I assume this show would be right up my alley because it deals with sports, and yeah. but specifically soccer the premier league yes so this is 100 percent up your alley i think you would love this show because it's two things you like it's a sports comedy and it's produced by bill lawrence so that is scrubs it's got scrubs dna in it Mm -hmm. uh so those powers have combined except not in the way that you think they would so I watched this after I saw a few people on on YouTube, what the hell, Twitter, uh, point out that it was better than they thought it was going to be. I watched it, and the pilot is pretty close to perfect. I don't know the last time that I've seen a good, like, a, this good of a pilot. It establishes the tone right away. So the premise, for those of you who don't know, is that Jason Sudeikis is a college football coach, like American football coach, in America, was brought in, won a championship his very first time coaching the team. So, obviously, that's going to make him well-known. Apparently so well-known that, meanwhile, in the UK, a small football club in the Premier League, as you mentioned, uh, decides that they want to, or actually, they might not be in the Premier League. It's never really clear what they play in. They're just a Football. The European Soccer League. Yeah, a European, like a, a British soccer I'm Sorry, league. the European Football League. Yeah, they're not European, they're British. That's different. Okay. Now, right, because right, Brexit happened. Brexit. Anyway, um, <laughs> so mean, uh, meanwhile, while this is happening, um, owner of the team goes through a, a real nasty divorce with his wife. His wife holds on to the team. He, like, bails out. Uh, so the wife has to hire somebody, a new coach. Uh, and hires Ted Lasso from America to relocate to coach the team, even though it's not the same football in England. So the twist, which is not revealed, which is revealed, which I have to give away because it's the premise of the show. Otherwise, it's revealed very cleverly halfway through the first episode, is that she's doing so to tank it. I'll say, is this a major league situation? That it's we major have league, on? it's a producers, it's that thing. It's, it's the thing where she's trying to tank the team, make the team bad on purpose because it's his, her ex-husband's like pride and joy. So she wants to get at the ex-husband by making it bad. So of course, 
that's why you would bring in somebody who knows zero things about football or soccer to coach your team. Right. See, I thought was, you were going to go with, oh, she's a woman who knows the internet and just types in foot, football coach winner, and he's the one who so pops no. up first. So that's the thing. So you would think that a show with a lot of Scrubs DNA would be that kind of level. Right. But the thing that's cool about this is that, no, it's not. It's very grounded and very realistic. So you're not going to get the Scrub style or even Cougar Town style, which is another Bill Lawrence show, style of surreal, like surrealness. You're not going to get the daydreaming. You're not going to get the over-the-top caricatures of, of characters. No. Will you get the uh, voice of God narration? No. Ooh. So no, that's the thing is this is Bill Lawrence trying on prestige TV, okay. except even though that sounds crazy, like that sounds like that shouldn't be a thing, right. he makes it work. And I don't know what's like, maybe it's because it's a collaborative effort. And Jason Sudeikis has writing credits on a lot of these episodes so far, which means that he may have also had input on the character. And yeah, there's like, it adds like a grounded feel and realistic feeling to the show that I think is key because it keeps it from being as, as absurdist and as goofy as Scrubs could be in its goofiest moments. Um, but that doesn't keep it from being, but that doesn't mean it's dour or serious either. It's still very light. And the reason why that is, is because the character of Ted Lasso is just a fun guy. He's, you know, full of like kind of country style, like, like sayings and turn of turns of phrases. He's just like a friendly, like charming dude. He's in an alternate world. I could see this going to this kind of role going to Jason Bateman 10 years ago. Yes, exactly. It's very much that energy, just like just a good all around guy who just wants to do the best thing for the team that he coaches. Having just watched 30 Rock and having him come on 30 Rock, <laughs> I can instantly see that. Yeah, no. So so 70% of why the show works as well as it does is because of Jason Sudeikis' character here. It's such a strong character. It's a great performance. It's like the right level of like okay, I could, I've definitely met this guy in my life before, this kind of dude who's just well-meaning and just wants to like, just wants to do the best thing, do the right thing. And then so you, you contrast that, again, being basically paired with a boss who wants to basically, who has ulterior motives and players that do not trust him at all because they see him as the interloper in their, in their soccer team. And it turns into a very interesting dynamic so it's a fish out of water show, as you might imagine, right. with additional layers of like prestige TV on top of it. So you'll have all these different interpersonal relationships kind of meshing together in interesting ways, which is a very prestige thing that they're kind of borrowing. Um, and it works. That's the crazy thing is that it totally works. And it's a really watchable, really fun show. And so it's weekly right now on Apple TV. I think they're up to eight episodes at this point. I don't know how long the current season is going to be. Um, but the weekly format makes it exciting. It makes it feel like there's going to be new episodes around the corner. Half so, hour um, show? Huh? Half hour comedy? Yes, yeah, half hour comedy. Very digestible. Yep. The only thing is, is yes, Apple TV Plus, not a thing that a lot of people have. But I will do this shout out. 
if you are planning on getting an Apple product soon, a free year, it comes with a purchase of a new Apple product. So if you're, for example, if you're gonna pick up one of these new iPads soon, then yeah, you would get this for free. So you wouldn't even have to worry about it. No, I need definitely to check because I bought an iPhone last year. You might still be eligible. You have I to might check. still be eligible. I have to check. Yeah, check the check your little box. Uh, actually, check the Apple TV app on your phone. Well, no, it's not my phone. It's oh, that's right. I forgot. Yes, uh, but I wonder if like I can get that account onto like say an Xbox through Apple TV Plus. So that's a que- that's actually not something I I don't know if there are apps on the consoles. Right. Yeah, I don't know about that either. I have to look in that because otherwise you're watching it on a phone. Yeah, you can log on to it on a phone. You can also log on to it on the web. Just go to the website for Apple TV Plus and right. you'll be able to watch through their browser. Uh, I'm watching it on a handful of different devices. Concerns out I have a lot of Apple things in this household. Yes, you're trying to get into that ecosystem even though you bought a PC. <laughs> you can have both. <laughs> you can do that. Um, anyway, so yeah, it's it's really good. I think it's uh, definitely one of my favorite th- new things I've watched this year. So I'm very excited. Yep, sounds good. Yeah, I think yeah, you'd really like that's something I should check out. Yeah, you should definitely watch it if you figure out a way to do it. Do it. Right, that's the thing. I figure out a way to do it. Worst comes to worst, I could just give you my login. <gasps> <laughs> no, no, FCC. He's not. He doesn't mean it. Nice. Apple TV does not mean that. <laughs> okay. Anything else on TV before we move into cancellations and renewals? Um, TV will return within the next weeks, roughly. You'll get some season premieres, um, some game show premieres. Fall is here. Fall is officially started. We will be fall TV very soon. Yep. All right. Uh, let's move on then. Cancellations and renewals time, of course. With I'm no longer watching. Yes. Because new shows in fall TV means that they've got to clear some of the detritus away. ABC has done just that and have canceled Stumptown, their big show from last fall. So Stumptown did get the renewal, but because it has not gotten into production, it is technically canceled. Right, it's technically. Um, They may bring it back the next year, but as for now, it is canceled. It could be shopped around, but nothing is for certain. Sorry, Kobe Smolders. Eh, she'll find other work. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll give her a Marvel show on Disney Plus, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on. Quibi. Yes, Quibi. That Quibi. Uh, not only is looking for a new uh, buyer, apparently, but Quibi is also renewing some of their shows, including Die Hart for a second season. Yes, the Kevin Hart yes. solo vehicle. HBO Max is renewed Raised by Wolves for a second season. That's I Androids got- on Mars. Yeah, I got an email for this today, and the subject line just said Raised by Wolves. It did not say anything about HBO Max. So I clicked on it and be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> not remembering that this is that Ridley Scott thing. So, yes. yes. Uh, Harley Quinn is getting a third season on HBO Max, as we mentioned, that moved from the now defunct DC Universe. Yes, I don't remember if we actually talked about that, but all DC Universe programming... Have is now moving over to HBO Max. DC yes. Universe will become a solo place for artwork and comic books. Yes. Netflix's The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance has been given the ax after just one season. So sorry, the Jim, Jim Henson company. <laughs> power Book 2, colon, Ghosts on I think Stars. That's power Book 2, colon, Ghosts. Oh. 
I want to say it's a spinoff of Power. <laughs> it looks like Power Book 2. Well, that's what it's, uh, that's how it's written out. Yes. It's not Power, colon, Book 2, colon, Ghost. No. <laughs> it's written as Power, Book 2, colon, Ghost. Then at least put a dash in there. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's been, uh, give it a second season on Stars, is what you need to know. And then the CW continues their uh, manicuring of their CW-verse, as they want us to call them, shows, by announcing that Supergirl will be ending after its sixth season. Well, some shows have to end for others to begin. It's true. That's what they so say. Supergirl is ending for, I want to assume, the Lois and Clark show, because yeah, super people. Probably. Too many Kryptonians. Exactly. Can't have more than one. All right. And then it's oh, a handful of deaths here. for cancellation. So yes, now we have a handful of deaths, except if my hands were, if I was holding deaths in both hands, because that's how many we've got this week. We'll get to that one in a moment. But first we got Winston Groom, age 77, the author of Forrest Gump and Gump and Company, obviously had that big uh, Oscar winning movie that, uh, based on it. So there you go. Uh, Pamela Hutchinson, age 61, a singer from The Emotions. Georgia Dobbins, age 78, a singer from The Marvelettes, also wrote their hit, Please, Mr. Postman. Uh, she is credited with writing Please, Mr. Postman, probably their most famous hits, or at least yes. one of them. Mr. Postman, etc. Alan Tompkins, age 81, art director on The Empire Strikes Back, Saving Private Ryan, Batman Begins, some big, big movies there. Mm-hmm. Michael Chapman, age 84, cinematographer, taxi driver, Raging Bull, The Fugitive. So, Scorsese's guy. Scorsese man. Ron Cobb, age 83, set designer for Star Wars, Alien, Back to the Future, Conan the Barbarian. So big in the 70s and 80s. He is credited with the look of the DeLorean for Back to the Future. There you go. Tommy DeVito, no relation. Age 92, Hall of Fame musician and singer, uh, one of the members of the Four Seasons. I believe he was Winter. <sighs> Sigh. Gail Sayers, age 77, NFL Hall of Famer of the Chicago Bears, and of course the subject of Brian's song. Yes, uh, he befriended Brian Piccolo, who was an NFL linebacker, and then had to end his, his uh, journey early from brain cancer, yes. who in the 70s befriended Gail Sayers, the black running back from the Chicago Bears during a tumultuous time of the 70s. Yes. And thus the story of Brian's song. Yes. But of course, the one that shook the nation this week, the unfortunate timing that it was, uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, age 87, um, was appointed to the court back in 1993, was only the second woman to be appointed. Uh, and yeah, we thought was going to be around forever. Well, not so. And it has now caused tumult in the Supreme Court as now the Senate and a lot of uh, Republicans in our government are trying to fast track a vote to the end of the year before there is a new president installed. So we will see what happens with that, but it does not look good, let's say, uh, for the uh, liberal minority in the Supreme Court right now. 
uh, that clip of Lindsey Graham has been going around constantly everywhere yeah. I turn. Yes. And the thing I will say to, about this that I've said to everybody who's asked me about it, I literally had, so friend of the show, James, literally called me that night to see what my take on it was. And I told him the same thing I'll say now, which is we should have never expected civility from them. Like the fact that we expect like certain politicians to keep their word, that's on us because we should not be assuming that they're not going to try for a power grab any time they possibly can. We can't take like these kind, this kind of politician on their word. Of course, they're going to go back and do the opposite of what they said they were going to do two years ago. Because of course, that's who they are. Because like, it benefits them. Yeah, it benefits them, period. That's all they care about. They do not care about civility. They just don't. Anyway. This is why voting point. matters. Yeah, that's, that's been your politics corner for the Media Book Podcast. And this is our uh, subject to make sure you are registered to vote. Make sure you yes. vote early. Deadlines are coming up for a lot of states uh, in October. So keep an eye out. Make sure you go to a website. Just Google real quick, verify voting status in state name, and you'll probably get to a link where you can verify your status. Make sure you're on the books. Make sure that you're getting vote by home ballot so that we don't have to go in person and drop them off. You can mail them, but that's potentially risky in certain locations. So drop them off at a polling location. If also you confirm your polling location. If yes. you have moved, your yes. polling location may have changed or you need to change, change the hell where, you are, where you are voting from. Yes. Um, also on the note of this voting, if you are around, yeah, I want to say, make sure you check where your polling place is yeah. because NFL stadiums and NBA stadiums, yes. have op- arenas rather, have opened up their facilities to become voting places, which means yes. they have the parking to do it and they have the space to do it to keep people yes. socially distanced. So yeah, uh, so that's all good news uh, as we get ever so closer to election day in November. So keep an eye out on that. Mm-hmm. All right, with that, let's swap it over to you and let's talk about some music. All right, and we'll start music with the billboard and we start the billboard with the Hot 100. Your hottest song is What About Playlists? It's not What About Playlists. What? What's W-A-P? Yeah, that stands for something else. Oh. What about people? Mm-mm, no. Who ate potatoes? <laughs> I'll give you that one just because it would be really, really funny to have Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion rapping about who ate potatoes. <laughs> We are problem. Bum, 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 bum. No. Anyways. Anyways, WAP by Cardi B featuring Megan Thee Stallion, your number one song this week yet again. Yes. You're going to be saying yet wettest. again a lot. <laughs> the wettest. As uh, number two, Dynamite by BTS. Number three, Laugh Now, Cry Later by Drake featuring Lil Durk. And number four, Rockstar by The Baby, featuring Roddy Rich. And at number five, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. If that sounded familiar, nothing changed. Nothing changed in the Hot 100, but we do have Shake Up on the albums chart. Yes, your Billboard 200. Uh, Your top album this week is, (laughs) when you know it, Top (laughs) by 
Young boy never broke again. Yes. Media vote favorite, young boy never broke again. <laughs> At number two, shoot for the stars, aim for the moon by Pop Smoke. At three, legends never die by Juice World. Four, ham- uh, folklore by Taylor Swift. And at number five, back in the top five, Hamilton by the original Broadway cast. Yes. Um, yeah, this is uh, interesting because predictions this week were all over the place. It didn't seem like anybody knew any of the pundits like could figure out what was going to be number one. I don't think anybody thought that at the last minute that young boy never broke again would do it uh, because, yeah, there was all sorts of different predictions. Uh some people even thought that Taylor was going to get back at number one this week. Did not happen. So yeah, congratulations to the young boy who's never going to be broke again. I listened to some Taylor Swift folklore this past weekend. You did? Yeah, I did. Still a good album. Still works. Yep. Turns out. If you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. Okay, what am I listening to this week? Probably folklore. I mean, I don't know what you're listening to. <laughs> But here are the new releases. There we go. So Help Me God by Media Boat Favorite, Two Chains. All right. <laughs> Do we get another birthday song? I, probably not, no. <laughs> uh, Only for Dolphins by Action Bronson. Mm-hmm. Blue Hearts by Bob Mould. Blue Summer by Kaikus. Ohms by Deftones. Ultra Mono by Idols. What do you gonna do when the grid goes down? Question mark by <laughs> Public Enemy. Yes, that Public Enemy. Uh, Haunted Painting by Sad13. Mm-hmm. The Ascension by Sufan Stevens. Free Love by Sylvan Esso. By the Fire by Thurston Moore. And lastly, Fear of Death by Tim Heidecker. Which, of course, is the Tim Heidecker of Tim and Eric. Yep. So. A little bit of everything for everyone here. Yeah, definitely something for everybody this week. <laughs> Something for everyone, except for me, apparently. Yeah, except for you. But that's okay. You have folklore. That's okay. I have folklore. Now, I have to go through all my albums and uh, start narrowing down what's going to be a top album for a year. Yeah, it's September. We're getting very close. I'm sorry. Next week is October, and we have three months to figure that out. Figure out our lists. Yeah, it's happening. Yep. Start preparing those. Uh, well, speaking of lists and things preparing for people, <laughs> yes, that is a sentence, that things a preparing for people. <laughs> Beautiful segue, wonderful. <laughs> Elton John, he's in the news because he has announced the rescheduled North American dates for his Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour. Yes, remember when that got canceled back yeah. in March? <laughs> well... Following his recently announced dates in Europe, which begin September 1st, 2021 in Berlin, the tour will kick off again in North America on January 19th. 
2022 in New Orleans, making stops in major markets, including Houston, Chicago, Toronto, New York, Miami, and more. The latest dates on sale are arena shows, which were rescheduled due to the pandemic. The tour will conclude with a series of select stadium performances taking place worldwide. Additional information on these concerts will be announced at a later date. I would not be surprised if he closed it out either in Dodger Stadium, one of his more favorite, famous ones, or New York Stadium. Like Madison Square or something? Yeah. Yeah, no, this is smart. Like, at this point, this is what every artist should be doing, at least the big ones that have these bigger tours. Just push it all back to 2022. Because 2021, at this point, is a huge question mark. Right, which is why they're going with Europe tours only in 2021, because they have everything under control there. This is well, why we can't have nice it's things. It's not everything, but yes, more so than we do. When you have under, when you have double digits to single digit cases, yes, that is considered under control. Yeah. At least, again, in comparison. Yes. Still not arena show under control, though, which is why those are the last that are going to happen at, mm-hmm. in anywhere. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is smart. I think just push, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. Yes, it sucks because it means that even more time without getting this business done, because this isn't just about rich person, Elton John, who can afford to put this off. It's also about the touring crew and like a whole bunch of people that make this, these shows work. Right. You're talking about grips, key, lighting, dancers, um, audio, tech. This also pushes back their paycheck. Security. Yes. So, yeah. It's it's hard, but this is the smartest healthcare-wise. Ushers, ticketing. Yeah, that's the thing that most people easily forget is then because NFL stadiums are currently opening up to allow fans, but only at a 10 10 to 15% capacity. Right. And people are saying, look, they're safe. Why can't we have more? Because it's not just the 1,500 fans you let in. It's the 100 fans at concessions. It's the, I'm sorry, the 100 employees at concessions, the 100 employees that are ushers, the 100 employees that are um, security, the 100 employees that are doing merch, that are doing ticket sales, that right. are doing security, that are doing um, first aid, that are doing response, that, that there's all these other people that the 1,500 fans you let in, there's probably two people for every fan that you let in. So double that to 4,500 people in the stadium not including the people on the field playing the game. Right. The numbers adds up. They add up really quickly. Right. And I think that's a one thing that people easily forget because they don't see them as people. They just assume they're a part of the facility when no, those are people right. doing their job. Yep. 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 And yes, I understand that that job is income that $1,200 has run out from by now, which they obviously need said <laughs> income. Needless to say. Needless to say. All right. Let's move on. I forgot where I was going with the soapbox here. Where'd yeah, it go? <laughs> but yes, it's a, it's a big operation is basically the bottom line. And that's why they have to make sure that everybody is safe. Right. Because uh, if you're not safe, it can get shut down, much like the production for Batman. Yes. Uh, which I think, uh, sidebar, 
it's up and running again. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, Paxton tested positive, so he's good. And you mean he tested tested negative? Yes, he tested positive for negative. <laughs> negative negative is positive, and that's why you got to reverse it. Uh, anyway. Okay, let's move on. Uh, yes, let's move on real quickly. So, you mentioned uh, the Emmys. Yes. That we will be talking about in music. Well, music, it's music so let's talk about the Emmys. Because music people win Emmys sometimes. And there's yes. a couple, there's a handful of uh, them who are very, very close to getting the highest prize in the land. And what is that highest prize? That is the EGOT Award. EGOT. Yep. And composer Ludwig Göransson has now entered an Emmy companion for his Oscar and three Grammys winning on Saturday night for his music for HBO's, uh, sorry, for not HBO, for Disney Plus's Star Wars yeah, spinoff. That's not my, I want to say that that's not my typo. That is Variety's typo. That is Variety's little insert for people who you are copying. Blame, you can blame Mr. Pinsky for that one. Yes. <laughs> for Disney Plus's Star Wars spinoff, yeah. The Mandalorian. It is his first Emmy nomination and win, keeping alive his winning streak for copying the Oscar and Grammy for Black Panther and two more Grammys for Record and Song of the Year last year. The Mandalorian also won for music composition for a series beating out The Crown, Euphoria, Ozarks, and Succession all of which have gone on to win best uh, drama or best show in their categories. Yeah. Actually, those are all dramas. Yeah, all won best dramas, except for Ozarks. Never won. Yeah, Ozark didn't win jack shit. Nope. Uh, not Euphoria, but it did win for uh, best actress. Oh, yeah. Uh, like his fellow composers, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who won the Emmy Thursday night for music composition for a limited series, FM Watchmen, mm-hmm. the Swedish-born Gordon, 36, is now just one award away from the EGOT, being the Tony. So right now, he has an ego. Yes, both of the, all three of these people discussed in this story have egos currently. They just need the T. Yep, which is the ultimate showbiz crown, according to some. Accepting remotely, as most, as all Emmy winners did, <laughs> Reznor said, quote, we're very proud to be involved with a show that's relevant, smart, and daring. We were charged and affected by working on this, and it's great to see it resonate with the world at large. He thanked creator Dame Lindelof for providing such a broad canvas to paint on. It might be the only canvas to paint on, as season two is up in the air. Yeah. So, of course, the thing about this is that you can get really close and maybe never get this because the T is notoriously the hardest one to get because you basically have to have your song in these people's cases. You basically have to do a Broadway show in order to get a Tony in this category. So it's going to be harder for them to EGOT than a lot of people who start with the Tonys and then move out. Right. Like uh, the Andersons. Yeah, exactly. That's why you usually see you usually see the T and then you branch. These guys are coming from the other side, which is going to be really hard. So, friend of the show, uh, Christy, would probably have a lot of things to say about about their probably unlikely uh, Tony wins, <laughs> but she's not here right now. So, 
<laughs> I don't know. If one of these three between Gordonson, uh, Ross, and Reznor, I would put money on Reznor just because he has, always has a, a lot of hands. Yeah, in all sorts things. of stuff. I want to see a Nine Inch Nails musical. Make it Maybe not Nine Inch Nails, but also... Uh, Reznor's no. band. Yeah, I know that, but like, is music's not? Yeah. Well, because it'd be music and lyrics, right? Not just like music as a tone. Well, you can win for score. Like, there's other. There's right, so there is a score then. Yeah, there's a there's there's like orchestration that's not directly linked to just the music and right, music. musicals. Right, there's, music there's plays, dramatic plays. Like there's, you know, there's ways where he could do it. Like he could do it for a dramatic play. Like, hey, for instance, his buddy who was the screenwriter on The Social Network, who Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross wrote the, uh, the score for, mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Sorkin was currently running an adaptation of uh, To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway this past season before quarantine. So Aaron Sorkin's already there. So if maybe he asks his buddies to do like a score for one of his next shows, boom, there's your tea. Ooh, I could see that kind of tone working well with like Death of a Salesman. Oh, modern, you know, modern take on Death of a Salesman? Yeah, which I think it might, have, it might be 10 years since mm. uh, Death of a Salesman was on Broadway with, well, I keep our, trying to delay to think of his name. Our resident, um, our resident Broadway expert is unfortunately not here to chime No, in. Dustin Hoffman won I know for Death of a Salesman. But yeah, it was on um, Broadway. maybe on a future show, if we can get Broadway expert, uh, <laughs> friend of the show, Christy, on here, maybe she'll have something to say about this. All right. But until then, we can just wonder about how they'll get their teas. Tea, tea for yeah. timeout. Tea for timeout. Tea for Trent Reznor. I guess <laughs> <laughs> tea. All right, that's it. So. Music, did you listen to any? I listened to one album. One new album. Like I said, I listened to Folklore. Uh, But before I listened to Folklore, I listened to Keith Urban's new sound. The Speed of Now, part one. Part one. Yes. It is definitely key. Because I assume that second album will be a country album. This one was not. (laughs) What is it? What is, is uh, Keith Urban likes to blur that line between pop and country. This uh, leans heavy into pop, hmm. like the first three, four songs. And then it starts to tilt that meter back towards country, but never really gets there. This is more a pop album for Keith Urban than it is country. So is this like red era Taylor Swift? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, this is more like actual like 1989 pop whoa not expect i was not expecting that neither was i when i was listening to it the beats are hell catchy though <laughs> they're really like hook the hook and lyrics are really catchy and really get into you but it is not a country album i was expecting country and i got this and i was like what huh <laughs> am i listening to actual keith urban because it sounds like keith urban just with a whole like pop vibe, it works. I mean, think the fighter, but like that album, like a whole <laughs> album, uh, those kind of songs, where the fighter 
with Carrie Underwood is not a country song. Mm-hmm. It's played on country radio. Yeah. And also like everywhere because it's a mono genre pop song. <laughs> but I think that song, that's kind of what you get with this album. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So if you like The Fighter, I think you'll, you might like this album. You might be a Keith Urban pop yeah. fan. But for those who are going in expecting a very country experience. Oh, no. Yeah, it's not. It's like, <laughs> not, though. You yeah. might find some on the back end, but for the most part, this is a straight pop album. Interesting. Which makes okay. me think part two will be his countryside. Yeah, part two, all acoustic. <laughs> yeah. Did Tommy Justin do that with the side B part two? All of no. Them? Side B was just more pop songs. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, interesting. Uh, I didn't did you listen to anything? No. no. All right. Let's move on as we speed into the last corner here with video games. Whew. What a week in video games. Oh, yes. Uh, first up, we have Going Under on the PlayStation, Xbox, <laughs> Switch, and PC. Uh-huh. That is my Evanescence Going Under song Got right it. there. Okay. All right. I don't uh, think we it's based have... on Evanescence. Although somebody out there should make an Evanescence video game. <laughs> That'd be pretty rad. Uh, you just start by waking up. Yeah. Waking up inside. Yes. Can't wake up. Uh, they're just trying to. The whole game is trying to bring him to life. Save me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Moving on. We have Troll Hunters, colon, Defenders of Arcadia on the PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. I assume this is from the Netflix show, Troll yes. Hunters. Based on the Netflix show. We also have Port Royale 4 for the PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Gnomes and Goblins for the PC. Tears of Avia for the Xbox and PC. It might be Tears. It might be Tears. Who knows? Uh, we also have Sirius Sam 4 for the PC. And lastly, Mafia, colon, Definitive Edition for the PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Yep. Uh, they should have named that something other than Definitive Edition. <laughs> like Mafioso Edition or something like that. The Don's mm. Edition. Yeah, like Yeah, like Don's Edition or... The offer um, you can't refuse. That's too long. Last offer edition. Yeah, but then the joke doesn't really work. Cannoli edition. <laughs> there it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. Because you get the whole cannoli in it. Yep. Comes with the cannoli. <laughs> All right. Not a let's, gun. All right. Let's move into video games real quick. I want to switch these two because I want to talk longer about the first, the first one. Okay, sure. So we so last week we noted that um, the Xbox Series X and the PS5 finally got prices. Yes, and finally got release dates. Thus, meaning they finally went on pre-sale. Yeah, allowing for pre-orders. Well, if you were lucky enough to get a pre-order, <laughs> congratulations. Yeah, because now that prices and release dates for both of them have been announced. Yeah, you might be um, out of luck by now. (laughs) Because countless people found out this week that unfortunately it's not that simple to get a pre-order anymore. As pre-orders for the PS5 went live hours after the PlayStation live stream ended, 
<laughs> and retailer websites weren't ready. Carts as carts would error out, sites would 404, and GameStop even barred some customers from reloading the page. Those who did manage to secure a box from customers um, were later found out that uh, Amazon found out later that the units wouldn't even make the release date. (laughs) Uh, Sony apologized the next day via social media and said there would be more units coming soon. Microsoft used this as ammo against Sony, telling their fans that Xbox pre-orders would be scheduled and bug-free. But even the Series S and X weren't immune to site overload as problems were reported all day long as well. Amazon even saw Xbox One X sales. (laughs) Gee, One X. Yes, which could potentially mean a whole lot of disappointment (laughs) come November 10th, which we talked about and wanted to warn against. So yeah, if you go on to the like the the top sellers on Amazon right now, yeah, the One X like soared from like way down in the deep end to like the top fifty, which has a lot of people wondering like, oh shit, did people screw up? Like, of did, course they did. Yeah, they just searched Xbox X or something, mm-hmm. and that was the first thing they that popped up. Yeah, it's bedlam out there. It was apparently just two straight days of just well and a weekend full of just like people not knowing how to get one of these things on both on both platforms um ps or sony and playstation even went so far as to give people certain pre-order codes to try and get them to pre-order from their website specifically and even that had problems yeah it just it all boils down to they it seems like they were not prepared for the the reaction as you're not prepared for this kind of numbers this kind of turnout well seeing as they need to have like a stockpile set for all these to be made i'm wondering if there's just not enough numbers like enough people to make said boxes which is why they have to limit pre-orders so you would think that but no they made sure through the entire like before even announcing price and like and release dates both Sony and Microsoft said repeatedly that it was not going to be a supply chain shortage. That they've made enough boxes. Sony, in fact, specifically said that they've uh, manufactured 11 million PlayStation 5s for this. So no, not a problem. The problem seems to be the retailer side. Problem seems to be is that they that the retailers and the people who are actually selling the boxes got caught off guard because there was no especially on the Sony side, there was no specific date and time for these to go up. So if you're Target and you just, you get the call from Sony on Wednesday afternoon being like, okay, pull, push up. Like we have a price we can push these now for pre-order. Then you're panicking because you're like, are the servers ready? I don't know. Like, is this going to break? It turns out they turned on the switch and it totally broke because no one was ready. As someone from a pushing product side, you have everything set to go live yeah. except for a price. So you're waiting for that price to be set. To as soon as it is, you hit, you enter price, everything will auto-generate because it's already set to go live. You hit enter, it goes live. 
So yeah, just no one was ready. Any of these platforms, especially GameStop. So GameStop was the funniest one. I'm sure you saw some of those screenshots of people being like, like with, with screens that just say, you have been banned from using mm-hmm. this site. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's like so strange, like the stuff that happened with this but thing. That wasn't even the craziest story of the week. Yeah. Uh, all right. I got I to gotta calm myself down here because yes. I got to get ramped right back up for this. So, As, yeah, the other big uh, video game news story, yeah, happened later in the week. Yeah. So, as we mentioned last week, Sony made their announcement and said, hey, here's our price. Microsoft was not going to go quietly as they had announced that Bethesda, the publisher and studios behind Fallout and the Elder Scrolls series, would be joining Xbox (laughs) as well as several other studios because Microsoft announced the official Xbox on the official Xbox Wire blog that it had entered an agreement to purchase Zenny Max Media. Yes. Which is not Bethesda, but rather the parent company of Bethesda Softworks. Yes. Which itself owns Skyrim's, yeah, Skyrim Studio, Bethesda, Gameworks, Doom Studio, ID, Dishonored Studio, Arcane, and many more. Microsoft confirmed that titles from across Bethesda's catalog will soon join Xbox Game Pass, including a Bethesda's Game Studios eagerly awaited next title, Starfield. Starfield. Quote, just as they took the bold first steps to bring the Elder Scrolls franchise to the original Xbox, Bethesda were early supporters of Xbox Game Pass, bringing their games to new audiences across devices and have been actively investing in new gaming technology like cloud streaming of games, Phil Spencer wrote in the announcement. Now, how much did they buy ZeniMax for? <laughs> I actually know the answer, so if you want the real answer, I can just give it to you. <laughs> oh, no, give me the real answer, and then I'll tell you stuff. Wait, no, no, let's do this reverse then. <laughs> okay, so Disney purchased Pixar back in 2004, for $8 billion. Yes. Higher or lower? It's slightly lower. Okay. (laughs) Disney purchased Star Wars for $4 billion. This one is higher. Yes, right there. So that's where you're talking about how much money is being thrown around here. In the billions of dollars. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Yeah, I want to say it's seven point five billion. I saw seven point five or seven point four, both floating right, around. Because it was double the Star Wars bid. Yeah. Regardless, that's a lot of money for a game company. But that's the thing; it's not just a game company. The key thing that is getting lost in a lot of this is that Bethesda is also a publisher, mm-hmm. not just a studio that runs their own studios. So this was a business. That's why it was a seven point five billion dollar business. It's because Zenimax did a lot of different things. The Doom franchise, everything under id comes with this. So Microsoft now owns those games too. Yep, and Microsoft also owns everything under Arcane as well. Yes. So yeah, it's it's a lot of stuff. And I see why Microsoft would be interested in making an investment like mm-hmm. this, because it locks down big 
uh, Bethesda open world games like the next Elder Scrolls and Starfield to Xbox platforms and PC. Now, this is where everyone went up in arms is, will these upcoming titles that people assume they're making become exclusive to Xbox or PC gaming? Yes, they would, because I can't imagine... I can't imagine them doing a deal with Sony at this point. They don't need to. Yes, but that's also just free money coming into them, though, if they do a deal with Sony. I think any existing games that have already been distributed on those platforms will obviously stay. I right, think but I see games like older. Dishonored and Arcane no. possibly doing... Microsoft's going to make it lucrative for them to... Well, it doesn't even matter. It's not the conversation. It's not even a conversation because they are now a first-party studio. Right. So forget about Sony platforms is what this means. You're not going to have a Fallout game on, on a PlayStation anymore. You're just not. I don't see why you would ex- eliminate that, though. Because you're owned by Microsoft. And I, I understand that. Yeah, I, I understand <laughs> that you want to play, like, you want to keep your game on your studio, on your yes. platform. And yes. this does make Game Pass look extra juicy now. Yes. I wonder if they will have it like ESPN does, the added sports package. Like, oh, now you get the ZeniMax package. So juicy. I don't even need to do that. It's just, this is a Microsoft game now. Like, mm-hmm. that's, it's just a branding thing now. Like, they'll keep, like, the IP separate. But I think that, yeah, it'll just be like, this is a Microsoft Game Studios title developed by Bethesda. Period. It just goes under that whole Microsoft. Right. Stoop publisher umbrella. Right. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's what mm. it is now. Well, at least uh, Bethesda and uh, Obsidian are now under the same umbrella again. So, yeah, I guess so, huh? I didn't <laughs> think about that. That's a good angle uh, that I didn't consider. That Yeah, so Obsidian can, in theory, now yep. work with those platforms. And those Rare and Id can be together now. They could, uh, yeah, exactly. That's fine. So there is one hot topic hot topic that I've seen floating around with all the studios okay. being forced to be under the same umbrella. Okay. And that is that a Smash Brothers style game could be created from them. <laughs> Not gonna happen. Not a fighting game, mind you, but rather a shooter game. Oh, like a hero shooter, like a, like a Overwatch kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Where you throw all these types of characters together. I mean, Ubisoft basically just did that with whatever their mobile game that they put out a couple months ago was with all their characters in it. It's possible, but eh, I don't think we I don't think we need it. I don't know. You have Master Chief shooting around with Doom Guy, shooting around with Marcus Phoenix, shooting around with Dweller. Yeah. Yeah. Could it's happen. Like, it can happen. Yeah. They're all under the they're all working together now. Maybe. With what's her name from Control? Oh wait, no, that's not theirs. <laughs> no, but um, what was it Death Loop is now under there. Yeah, so that's so the since that's a pre-existing thing that will still be a PlayStation game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, this is a big purchase, possibly <laughs> story of the year, or you know, would would be. Maybe we'll see how it turns out. Maybe it's lousy. Maybe like this changes the vibe over there. Who knows? Yeah, but also just realize that this was probably the TikTok money they were going to throw at him. 
Yeah, I did wonder that this coming so close to the announcement of them not being able to spend the money on TikTok. But then some other rumors that followed this kind of served to disprove that, which is that they're not done, apparently. There's a rumor now going around that Microsoft still has money to burn in the video game department and are still going to buy some other studio. Right, because uh, Microsoft as a whole is a $143 billion company that they probably have on hand. So yeah, like I saw $70 people- billion of that is what? A 20%? Yeah, something. Oh, wait, no, that's... No, that's five percent. That's f- yeah. five, seven billion is five percent of one hundred forty billion. So yeah, I saw some people tossing around like studios, like maybe even Sega, like some bigger, some other big. Yeah, fish. I saw Capcom. That yeah, Capcom, Konami. Konami. Like yeah, they could. They may not be done, and so we may have another story like this in a in a month or so. so right. Who knows? <sighs> well, what I do know is that they're not going to purchase anything from Nintendo. No. Nope, because they are making their own money. They literally print money over there, which goes to our thoughts section. Yes, we both played some video games. I actually played the other, I played the game you did too, so I can talk about that as well. Okay. So, Um, but first, we're talking about Nintendo here. So tell me about Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Yes, as I mentioned last week, I got a copy of Super Mario 3D All-Stars, which, as I mentioned, is a collection of Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy on one Switch cart, or digital download if you're me. Um, And yeah, it's exactly what you think it is. No surprises here. Like, this is just those three games. So if you're going into this expecting vastly different, like, design choices, vastly new content or anything like that, well, this is not the game that you think it is. This is literally just ports of these existing three games, which is good and bad. It's good if you like those games because they remain pretty much intact. Some control uh, follow-up from last week. So I mentioned last week I didn't know how Mario Galaxy worked in certain situations. Right. So it does actually play on both a portable, so Switch Lite, you can actually play Mario Galaxy Mm -hmm. on it. And it does work on a pro controller. So what they've done is they've translated the motion control stuff in different ways, depending on how you're playing it. So I'm not going to go into all of it, but what I will say is that if you have a light and you're playing Galaxy, you can click the star bits by touching the touch screen. So oh, the touch screen. that is how you do it. Okay. So, and the, um, the shake thing that made Mario do the spin move is now mapped to a button in all versions of the game. So you can just press the button and be fine. Okay. So yeah, um, so the good news is, is that yes, you can play any of the games on any of the formats of ways you could play Switch, which is great. Uh, but yeah, the bad news is, is that it's just that. It's just those games. But Did they fix the aspect ratio from 4.3 to 6.9? Only on Mario Sunshine. Mario 64 remains a 4.3 a game. They did not do any work to making that widescreen, but Sunshine is widescreen. So I played all three of them for a little bit. I played a lot of Mario 64 because that's kind of the reason why I bought this thing. Obviously. 35 stars into that thing already. So made a dent into it. What do you uh, mean? Aren't you supposed to be able to beat that game in like two hours? I'm not a speed runner. <laughs> um, 
I played a little bit of Mario Sunshine, enough to remind me that maybe I don't want to play any more Mario Sunshine. And then I played a little bit of Galaxy just to be like, okay, yeah, yeah, I could probably play more of this sometime soon. So yeah, um, they're both real still, they're all still very good games in different ways. Um, Sunshine stuttered a little bit in the frame rate, which I was not expecting, and this was docked, which makes me a little worried about its performance. Uh, it definitely looked pretty though. So yeah, that's a good looking port of that thing, but I'm just a little worried about its consistency when it comes to its 60 frames. Galaxy though ran great, uh, and Mario 64, you know, it runs, at 30 frames because it's a Nintendo 64 game. Mm -hmm. uh, but other than that, it plays just as you remember it. So, so yeah, I think it's a good solid package for people who like these games. But yes, as I mentioned, buyer beware. One, you have to buy it before March because it's going away at the end of March. Yep. And that two, if you're expecting any work, Nintendo didn't do a thing to these except for widescreening sunshine and pumping up the resolution. That's it. So, so as not a fan of Mario, or haven't played any of those games, because <sighs> that's the tough. That's the toughie. I think if you have a Switch and you have ever heard of these games and are curious about them, there's a lot of fun to be had here. There's hours upon hours of game. Like any one of these three games will take you like 20 hours to beat. So, if you are curious at all and you like mario as a concept and you've never played them i say and you have a switch absolutely i think try it out because these are really great games they're classics mario 64 maybe hasn't aged as well because it's kind of it feels kind of old in certain departments but it's still a classic um if you have played all these games before and maybe have access to the original consoles then i might say maybe don't spend 60 dollars on it Okay, but otherwise they're the same games that you think they are. They're the, there's, this is the package that you think it is. There's these three games, nothing more, nothing less. Okay. So they're the Kingdom Hearts 1.5 HD yeah. bundles of it's, Nintendo World. The All-Star name is a misnomer. You're not getting new versions just like you did in the Super NES Mario All-Stars. Okay. You are getting like the Kingdom Hearts 2.5 whatever the, the final mixes except minus any new content that you're getting those games it's right just... which as those were the final mixes that were exclusive to japan yeah right. so yeah it is what it is and some people are going to like that some people are not going to like that but i'm totally okay with it okay you're okay with not liking it perfect yeah <laughs> i'm okay with being okay with it all right uh and lastly last game we both played then yeah real briefly because it was only available for a limited time yes Call of Duty, Black Ops, Cold War, Alpha. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it played like Call of Duty. Yeah, what would you think about this Call of Duty? So the only the previous Call of Duty that I played was the Call of Duty Modern Warfare beta. Yeah. I didn't buy the game, I just played the beta. And I said the beta ran nice, looked nice. I hadn't played Call of Duty in a while, and it ran smooth. Yeah. I could say the exact same thing about this game. Yeah, pretty much. It looks like Call of Duty. It plays like Call of Duty. It feels like Call of Duty. Yeah. They did, I'm not sure how often they've been doing this, but they added more characters, like skins you can choose from. The loadout seemed very familiar. It seemed like, oh, that's right, Call of Duty. I remember how to play this game. Also, I died a lot. I remember why I stopped playing this game. Call of Duty, yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's very, very, it feels very similar to last year's game, which is good because last year's game was great. Mm-hmm. I talked about it a lot on this podcast. Um, so yeah, if you're going into this uh, expecting more modern warfare, you're going to get that. Um, some of the more black opsy touches are touches are in there though. There's some stuff that only the um, the black ops games have for customization options, and some of that carries over here. Uh, there also is um, some interesting like UI stuff that's new this time that I thought it was actually pretty cool. The style of this thing is pretty cool. Like names of like, like names of uh, locations and like stuff like that will be very bold and in your face. And that stuff was really cool. It fits the aesthetic of the black ops games. Um, yeah. I think it was the, the, the alpha, although brief and limited as it was, was fun. It was a fun little thing. So I think that Hopefully that means that the whole package will be good. We've only seen a little bit of the campaign so far. And I think this week we're going to see the first tease of the zombies mode. Um, But it's good at least knowing that the multiplayer looks like it's going to be solid, just like last year's game. So that's great. Yeah, I had fun playing it. I mean, I'm not, even though I said, I remember I didn't like playing it. That's not to say it wasn't a bad experience. I I enjoyed my experience playing. Right. I tried to get some streaming in onto the webs, onto our on uh, on here on YouTube, mm-hmm. but it the timer had run out by then. <laughs> so you'll see a ten to a ten second to a minute clip of me trying to play it and then saying, "Thanks for playing the alpha. We'll be back next time." Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you tried. I know. Well, I played it like when it came out, so I got some experience into it. Yeah, some of it. Yeah, but yeah, the we know it mainly rotated between two maps: the uh, Miami map and then the submarine map or the sunken ship map. But it looked good, played good. Um, very few glitches. Trying to get into a, lo- a lobby was probably the main thing, but other than that, it was a pretty solid experience, I would say. Yeah, no, I agree. It was it's it was a fun time while it lasted. For being an alpha, it played better than Marvel's Avengers beta. Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now that, that, thing, that they're calling it an alpha in name only. That just means that they're going to do a beta as well. There's sure. no way that that stuff is alpha. Alpha video games are literally like undefinished. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, yeah, this is a misnomer. But still, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad to see that it looks like a quality product so far. Yep. All right. Um, anything else? No, I think that that will do it. Okay. Um, I have been doing a lot of research lately because um, I was going to get Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Mm-hmm. But I came across Hades, which we talked about last week. Yes. From Transistor. Yes. Or, yeah, or the, who brought us Transistor. Super giant. Um, I may be picking that up for the Switch. I hear very good things about Hades. I have been hearing good things from it, too. i watching some people play it. It's getting me wanting to play it. I like, as you know, I like the... Um, Hades, Underworld, yeah, all yeah. Greek, Greek mythology. mythology into it. And the roguelike seems like a very fun concept. Uh, I may be picking it up this weekend, and we'll have a thoughts on it next weekend. Um, I need to check price on it. But if it's under 20 bucks, I'm probably getting it. No, yeah, no, it, I think it is. Um, yeah, and yeah, I've heard nothing but good things. I like uh, Supergiant's games. So yeah, I'm interested in hearing your uh, feedback. Yep. And with that little teaser, 
does us for this week's edition of the Media Guild Podcast. Sure does. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the Media Boat Podcast. We'll be back next week for another episode. In the meantime, you can check out all our episodes as uh, as we recorded video um, on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and search Media Boat Podcast, like, subscribe our page, leave a comment, whatever you want to do, just spread the word about the Media Boat Podcast. If you want to listen to it audio only, you can do that as well through podcatchers like Apple Podcasts. Search Media Pop, Media Boat Podcast in there, and you'll find us. Find us on social media. We're on Twitter as at Media Boatcast, Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast, twitch.tv slash Media Boat is where you can find us playing some games like PGA 2K21 and YouTube for other, uh, our YouTube channel for other video games every once in a while. And then you can find some of our writing as well as this very podcast on MediaBoatPodcast.com. Yep, I'll have a writing of Tenet when I see it this upcoming weekend, probably one of Hades. And I want to do one of a rant, but I don't necessarily want to put it on the podcast site. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, wherever you want to put it. <laughs> All right. I'll okay. put like an op-ed death to theaters. We hardly knew you. Yeah. Or like, I, I missed you, dear John, come back, theaters, kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, looking forward to that then. Yeah. Okay, so thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week. For now, see ya. See you. Thank you for tuning in. Be back next week with more thoughts and news and stuff. Goodbye. All right, bye.